Alternative Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Ken Mack and Coach JV Show. The future of finance is here. Prepare for freedom. Get ready to swallow the red pill because every week we're bringing you cutting edge, real, uncut, raw truths about finance in the world that you think you know to help you prepare for the biggest shift in generational wealth the world has ever seen. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together. Let's go. Warriors, rise. Well, Warriors, there's blood in the streets and we're excited today for our special guest. We got Jessica Walker. This is a very, very dynamic guest warriors. You know we're all about macro and microeconomics. Well, Jessica Walkers does videos for CoinMarketCap. She recently did an interview with Rao Powell. She also is a top crypto speaker. She'll be speaking at the Expo 2020. You know, we went out to Dubai. That is a dynamic expo, a massive expo around the metaverse. So we're very excited to have our special guest on today. So, But before we do, Ken Mack, how are you doing? We always ask Ken Mack every single time. What country are you in, Ken Mack? <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm here in Dubai Marina, just loving life just now here and the, the, having the you know the amazing Dubai lifestyle. So uh, it's great to be here, Coach. Uh, thanks uh, again for uh, putting the show on. And we're very excited to have Jessica on the show with us today. So I'm going to kick it back over to you, Coach. And yes. um, yeah, let, let's uh, get the show on the road. Yes, absolutely. Welcome. If you're online watching this or people all over the world on our podcast, we're excited to have Jessica Walker. So Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're diving into this market and macroeconomics. So Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you guys for having me on. And it's great to be here. And it's really funny because I think, Ken, we probably live about a five minute walk from each other in Dubai. So we could have done it in person, but virtual is always a little bit better. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, my name is Jessica for everyone that is not fully familiar. I've uh, been creating content in crypto since 2015, moved full time to crypto in 2017. So although the markets are pretty red today, it's not been the worst day or worst week that I've had. Uh, but I'm excited to dive in as well. There is a lot to talk about today. 
Awesome. Well, let's dive right into that. So you've been in the market since 2015. Admittedly, I've been in crypto yeah. for about two and a half years. So I'll share with you my past is I was an ex-banker. I was in the matrix, deep in the matrix. And when I broke free from the matrix in about 2017, you had already been into crypto in 2015 and I was in banking and we were against crypto. It was evil. It was dark as our banks were investing in crypto, telling us that it was evil and dark. But in 2015, you've been in it. So you've seen this type of volatility. So share with us like that your sentiment on what's happening within the markets and have you you've been through this multiple times correct i have yeah it's true and actually it's very interesting because i also was originally a financial journalist for a swiss bank and i first got informed about crypto when i was in geneva interviewing asset fund managers and bankers and they were starting to migrate over to the world of crypto wow. and they were starting to tell me about their side hustle of crypto and that was how I became familiar with it and it was a eureka moment for me. I suddenly felt like this is something for the people. Um, but you're right in saying, yeah, it is a red day. I have seen this before and I think this is why I'm not as wounded as a lot of other people that are watching the charts right now. But I understand it is a really daunting time. And I think for people like us that have been through a few market cycles, I think the market cycles that we're expecting to see will get significantly quicker just because the market is larger. And I think these pain points won't be as low as we've seen before. I don't have this fear factor that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency could just be completely abolished. In 2018, I'm going to be completely honest. At one point, I was like, maybe this is the end of this career stunt that I've made a move. And I have to go back to the, the banking guys and say, oh, I made a mistake. Mm. This time, I really don't feel like that. But I think it is very turbulent turbulent and i think what what we've seen for example el salvador recently made this big yeah. migration to bitcoin it was really bullish news but they've lost 30 percent of their balance sheet right now so this isn't something that we can laugh about this is a really tough sure. time for everyone in the space i know ken you had some tough trades today yeah, yeah it's it pretty <laughs> nasty pretty nasty but um you know the, the thing about now is we've got all these um very different geopolitical situations with the, the tensions in ukraine then we've got the, the interest yeah. rates with the banks and then we've got the um the um the crisis going on as well and then we've got uh, you know impending threats of cyber attacks and all the other craziness to factor in and perhaps, you know, people are saying, but, you know, uh, bull markets, they end in euphoria, but uh, they don't always need to end in euphoria. Yeah. And, um, you know, these four-year cycles could be um, invalidated. There's nothing to say that um, that's the pattern that it needs to follow. So, you know, for me, it's a no-buy zone right now. Um, I've actually started to, uh, you know, be completely honest, capitulate uh, some of my positions, uh, but I'm capitulating not into stable coins, but into packs gold, tokenized gold, because gold has been trending into a symmetrical channel. It's been consolidating it for one year. It's just broken out. So gold, in my opinion, is now bullish um, and crypto is bearish. So what I'm doing is I'm starting to stack packs gold, because of course, when you buy digitized gold, there's no making fees, delivery fees, uh, or any of these other uh, fees that are plugged into buying physical bullion. So uh, I actually get liquidated uh, some of my um, heavily, um, I'm not going to say how much, but heavily on Nexo today um, because I simply forgot to uh, transfer uh, some collateral over, so I'm a little bit annoyed with myself. Um, but I'm expecting the uh, you know further retracement in the markets. As they say, there's usually two bites to the cherry before you know we have another pump, and I believe in like the Elliott Wave uh, patterns as well. So I'm expecting that we have further downside. We still haven't tested 20,000 Bitcoin. I'm looking probably around about 25,000 Bitcoin. I think that that will give us the... Um, the, the catapult to perhaps take us back up towards 50k. 
I don't think uh, that we'll have another all-time high. In fact, Business Insider interviewed me back in December last year. Uh, all of the influencers were uh, shouting for 100k Bitcoin. And I'm like, guys, there's not going to be 100k Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that that's going to happen. I think that uh, if we were lucky enough to get a new all-time high, maybe it's going to be 83k. Uh, last time I checked my charts. But um, I think there's so much emotions now plugged into the market. We've had two waves so far, and uh, you know, two all-time highs. That um, you know, people are burnt out. People have lost a lot of money. You know, it's not funny what's happening. You know, these times are difficult. You know, people people are putting their entire wealth into into crypto, and you know, we we kind of uh, revolve in the same circles here in the crypto in Dubai, Jessica. So we know a lot of these crypto guys. You know, they put their wealth. You know, ninety nine percent of their wealth is in crypto. So a lot of these people that we know have lost. Uh, they're down significantly. So the thing about the people that are in crypto is that they don't understand how to diversify into other asset classes, into right. businesses, and they all that they know is crypto, which of course it makes them a lot of money. But it's pretty, um, you know, it's, it's very sad um, when we when we see you know people who aren't able to control their emotions, who aren't able to control and diversify and you know properly manage their risk, and that's hopefully. Uh, what we um, are looking to teach people how to, um, you know, to give them an outlook, to give them, uh, you know, some positivity in the market. And you know, we're, we're pleased to have you on the show to be able to share yeah. these macroeconomic, um, you know, um, opinions of what you believe is going to happen in the future, where you see crypto going, where you see the bull market going, and what you believe, uh, uh, you know, 2022 holds for crypto. Yeah. Thank you. I, you're right as well, because I think it was in three hours today, 100 million was liquidated Mm -hmm. so you're you're not on your own and you said something really interesting there which was that stocks investing people that are typically in crypto don't know how to migrate over to other investment pillars and i think it is a real challenge and i was lucky to be in the forex space before so i understood that language before learning about crypto but i actually used to work for bitpanda exchanges and media specialists and they specialize in cryptocurrency investments for as little as one euro and then they migrated last year and offered commodities and also stocks and it was really hard to migrate new audiences into stock investing because you look at the change of price in crypto in a day and there's significant red days but also you can be 10 percent, even 15 percent up on a day sometimes even 30 percent with alts so then to see nike up 2.9 percent it just it's incomparable you know you can't really uh, make that fall move forward and i think that's a really interesting conversation you guys are providing a lot of value in that sense yeah, well, I, I want to jump into banking. So you being an ex-banker, so the reason why like people, I'm the calm guy, right? I'm the the neutral guy. I don't I don't panic when it, I don't freak out when it goes up. I don't freak out when it crashes down. I stay completely neutral because of my knowledge in banking, right? So there's three ways that banks make money. We have interest interest money, interest money. You have capital markets, right? And then you have the fee income. And right now, coming from a banking perspective, in 2017, banks are being squeezed in their profit margins, right? And I see banks. That's what I study all day. Banks feverishly moving into the cryptocurrency, the blockchain, um, connecting their systems to work on fee income, right? Capital market income. And I believe the first movers to those spaces are going to help with their profit margins in regards to that. So how do you look at it in regards to banking and in an overall macro perspective and long term for crypto? So that's how I keep myself calm. Like I always say, you know, I don't I like my opinion. I don't I don't trip. I always buy the dip. When it goes up, I dollar cost average out and I just hold long term on my fundamental cryptos. I'm not saying that's right for everybody, but the reason why I do that is because of my banking experience. So what is your thought like in the macro around the banking system and, and where we're going with cryptocurrency as a, as, as a whole in the future? 
That's a really good question. And I personally look at adoption more as an indicator of the future move. And I was surprised to see prices dip this low in complete honesty, because I did see companies adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet. Mm. I saw El Salvador make this migration. And I actually thought that was enough of a support that we wouldn't see prices dip this significantly. Um, but this year already, we have seen Paraguay look to make moves to expand into Bitcoin as legal tender. We also saw that um, uh, Panama is also looking to add Bitcoin to its balance sheet. So we are still seeing interest there, but I think it's really difficult to gauge because as we spoke about just off air, there are so many small economic factors that I would have thought would have impacted the price of Bitcoin. But ultimately, it is all down to the movements of the FOMC, the SEC, how things are moving there. And that sets such a tone for the rest of the cryptocurrency industry. Uh, I remember looking at how things were uh, progressing when it comes to Kazakhstan, the power outage. And I was really certain that would have had an impact. And that would have been some of the reasoning behind the recent dip. And I interviewed Raul Pal last week and he said, well, that's impossible. That, that couldn't have been the case at all. Mm. That was strictly Fed movements that has put this pressure, uh, mm. selling pressure on, on Bitcoin and also stocks as well. It's not just been crypto that we've seen the movements. So it, it's so hard to gauge how things are moving in the long term. But what I would say is if this is the low, if, uh, as Ken was saying, he believes 20K to be the low, uh, that is that was the all-time high in 2017. That was only five mm. years ago. We have to kind of remove ourselves and, and pull the charts back a little bit and look at the broader scale of where things are heading. Um, and if that's the lowest, things are still moving in an upward swing. I personally look at three-year cycles mm -hmm. and uh, dollar averaging as something that I really push to new investors. And that's kind of foolproof. I actually personally do not trade. I'm too emotional. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that I choose to stay away from because I know it wouldn't work well for me. I tried in 2018 and it, it didn't work well. So I think everyone's completely different. Uh, but I think this is a ride the wave kind of movement that I'm advocating right now. Yeah, if we get the 20k Bitcoin, that would be like the ultimate buying opportunity. And I'll be, you know, certainly backing up the fiat truck. If it happens, it's going to be nice. 2025k is when I'm going to start buying in. It could go lower, but um, as we do know that they're plugged into the fundamentals of Bitcoin, you know, it's mathematically programmed to go up. And as you see, if you just zoom out, then you can see that it is in a very, very clear uptrend. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Raoul Powell. He's uh, probably one of my favorite macroeconomic uh, economists. Uh, so yeah, congratulations for having uh, him in an interview. And yeah. I need to watch that one myself. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately, um, you know, you get involved in trading, you can lose a lot of money. I've been there myself, I've lost a lot of money and it becomes a very emotional game, especially when you're trying to trade in a highly volatile market. And, yeah. you know, this is something that's reserved for very, very experienced people. And, you know, I, I don't know what the stats are, but I'd probably say that 90% of people that I have seen that try and trade with leverage have lost significant amounts of money yeah. and, uh, and certainly a lot of sleep. And I remember when I was trading as well, you know, waking up three, four o'clock in the morning when you're running trades, you know, you're, you can't sleep. If you're losing a shit ton of money and you're maybe running these without stop losses and you see a lot of the bigger guys trading without stop losses, it's very dangerous. Um, but, you know, maybe you're better just trading on the scalp trading and, you know, proper managed risk. But again, that, that's, uh, we'll leave that for the, for the professionals. But for me, I'm just, the, you know, dollar cost averaging as well. Um, you know, once we um, reach the support levels that I'm looking at, and then again, looking, um, you know, longer term, especially when it comes to uh, the markets, because I think if you play them the wrong way, it's a bit of a casino um, with these violent swings to the north and the south. It's a 
it's a difficult it's a difficult place to be and a lot of people come into the markets thinking that this is get rich quick yeah. um i think the only uh, you know time in the market's worth more than money in the market but if you play your cards right then it is get rich for sure and um, providing that you play by the rules in the marketplace um but in terms of uh, your exit strategy in the market, uh, Jessica, what what are you positioned and what do you think, uh, or what, what are your plans uh, during 2022? Are you going to start to, uh, to settle out? What, what are your targets for Bitcoin? Are you planning just holding uh, through the bear market? Yeah, so at the moment, actually, I, I bought a little bit earlier that, than the prices are. Now I bought it just below 40K. Uh, and that was kind of some USDT that I was holding out for for a while. And I bought some Bitcoin and some Ethereum. Uh, and to be honest, I was surprised that it went a little bit lower, obviously. <laughs> as soon as I saw the prices dip, I was a little... Mm. Um, but right now what I'm doing is, as you said, dos, uh, dollar cost averaging and just waiting to see how things play out. I always tend to not push for... Uh, price predictions just because I think it's so hard to gauge and actually I have a really bad track record of of giving price predictions and then things go in the complete opposite way so maybe if I hit you with a very bearish everyone I'll do everyone a favor and the Mm -hmm. price will revert and swing back upwards but I think based on the adoption of organizations in the space uh, another thing that Raul Powell said last week was that he was expecting to see a lot more adoption from large investors this year, sovereign funds, sovereign wealth funds, and banks as well, especially in our area, Ken, which mm-hmm. is Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and Kuwait, these kind of regions. So this year, I am expecting there to be, this is a more accessible entry point for a larger wave of adoption. Uh, and another thing that makes me extremely bullish right now is just the increase in quality of products that we're seeing on the space. So as you mentioned, I'm speaking on the metaverse panel, but aside from this kind of NFT metaverse, surge of interest that we're seeing platforms for onboarding new users into crypto have never been better they have never been easier um kyc has never been smoother i think countries have never been as open when it comes to sending money to crypto exchanges this is still a fantastic time and that is why i'm still bullish on this industry we haven't been hit with a hard no and even when we were hit with a hard no when china introduced the bitcoin ban last year that didn't really impact anything if anything this is a new welcoming of adoption typically you see these crypto winters in 2017 they obsoleted icos uh in 2019 they got rid of these kind of bad actor uh players that were kind of on these pump and dump exchange schemes uh so this was another way this is a rite of passage and i don't look at it as something which is turning away the markets i work for coin market caps so i get a really good indication of what regions are looking for what um what coins and tokens with different utilities and based on what we're seeing Adoption is happening larger than just people buying Bitcoin. NFT play to earn across Asia has never been stronger. And even January, the first week of January, there's still this interest and metaverse tokens across Africa. It's insane to see what we're seeing. And it's the reason why this isn't a crypto's over, crypto's dead. Uh, It's only the beginning. And this should be seen as a long-term growing pain. It is painful, but in in the end, it's... uh, 
it's a win for everyone involved. Yeah, I think it's so powerful to really dive into what you're saying right now, because you you think about this when you said in 2018, I mean, you really had the vision that it could go to zero because there wasn't all this conversation. You know, every single meeting they're having with the feds, they're talking about cryptocurrency. They're talking about stable coins. Jerome Powell went from saying, oh, there's no way that the CBDC and stable coins are going to work together to switching his narrative to saying, oh, yeah, they're going to work together to saying from, hey, we're, we're not even thinking about a CBDC and finding out he's in the BIS working group since January. 2021. I mean, it seems like every meeting they have, they're just loosening it up a little bit more, a little bit more. And I have the same vision that you do as regards to that. It's like, it's, it's coming. It's just how are they're trying to figure out how to regulate it. And also the, the economy's in a really weird position, right? They printed money into oblivion right now. They're starting to taper. We're going to have a bunch of zombie companies. It's going to be an interesting dynamic, a bunch of companies, the stock market's overvalued right now, right? They're going to start tapering. Interest rates are going to go up. And so the feds are in this really, really, really tough position. I mean, imagine that, you know, people are probably mad for me. So imagine putting yourself in their shoes going, how are we going to fix this? The hot potato got passed along. And I feel, and I want to get your perspective on that. Cryptocurrency is a great solve for them. The CBDC is a great solve for them in order to fix this economy. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's interesting because I think if we look at the the Fed and their acceptance of crypto over the last few years, they haven't been as open as, as they have been in the past four months. I think even recently mm-hmm. we saw in Congress a lot, them invite the biggest players in the space, the CEOs of some of the largest cryptocurrency platforms to actually speak and understand and explain to them about cryptocurrency concepts so they could get a little bit more of an outline when it comes to CBDCs, as you've mentioned, and just the general uh, progress of the industry. There is a lack of understanding, I still feel, from US Congress, from the Fed when it comes to cryptocurrencies. I think it is a terrifying task. I don't envy them at all. How can you look to regulate something that is this big? How can you look to even get started with introducing a competitor? Also, when you see the significant gains, how can you protect your investors? How can you uh, protect the public? So there's so many different pillars of responsibility that they hold i think it is a huge challenge uh i'm not sure where i stand when it comes to the cbdc outlook to be completely honest i think as a bitcoin maxi as Mm -hmm. people would refer to me on twitter you know the idea of a cbdc is something which fundamentally i'm kind of against the concept but from an adoption standpoint Mm -hmm. it is something which can get people out of this situation i think no one expected this economic it's almost like this vibrant ball of gas. No one knows how to touch it right now because it Mm -hmm. is so sensitive. All eyes are on the US economy right now. Uh, I honestly don't know where things will go. I'm Mm -hmm. glad that I'm not a US house owner at this point. I think I would feel very, very uncertain. I'm glad I don't have a US bank account. I actually put a tweet out a few um, days ago saying a majority of my wealth, 95% is in crypto. And I got a lot of stick for it, but I've lived in three countries since 2017, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I don't own a property. And why would I trust one bank, which is set to one geographical location when that could shut down in the US and the UK? That's unlikely, but in different regions in developing mm-hmm. countries, it's not as lucky as that. So I think we're really going to have to wait and see how things move in the next few months. I don't think this is going to be a quick fix. I think until May, really, we're going to start to see things pick up. Uh, And I'm not sure your thoughts on that, the kind of light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. timeframe. 
Yeah, I I, I want to talk about the CBDC. I want to make it very clear, but yeah, I'm not I'm not for a CBDC. <laughs> I'm an ex banker. I'm again, you know, I'm not for a CBDC. But what but I, what I do feel it's going to happen is they're going to bring us closer to central banks. And when people start to figure that out, people are waking up to a new reality. Some people are right, and they're like, okay, I'm losing all my sovereignty when it comes to my finances. Now now not only can I not even have cash on the side, it's going to all be closer to the central bank, which is going to figure out how they're going to do that. I think you're going to have a uh, uh, you know, a CBDC wallet, right? Then you're going to have your cryptocurrency wallet at a bank. I think in the next three years, you're going to do DeFi at your, your local bank. And so I, I, what I, I tr always try to be uh, optimistic versus pessimistic. And as I look at it, it'll help adoption of retail investors and maybe say, wait a minute, you know, Bitcoin is looking really attractive right now. And I know that's looking very attractive to investors as well, because it gives you that sovereignty, right? It gets you a store of value, gets you outside of the system. And so to me, all this attention is driving people towards Bitcoin or driving towards people towards gold, as Ken's talking about, or driving people towards silver. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well as diversification. Ken, is, Ken has really taught me heavily. I was like all cryptocurrency. And within the last couple of years, I've really diversified or last, excuse me, last year, I've diversified heavily, not only in cryptocurrency, but moving into precious metals, moving into businesses. Ken is teaching me the LBO space. Uh, so I want to talk to you a little about your diversification. I know you said you're really heavy in crypto. Is there any other things you're focused on? There isn't, no. And mm. I know that is, you know what, if I was listening to this as a, a third party, I would say this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Honestly, from my side, I wanted to go all in and I wanted to educate myself as much as possible. And I think it was because I was in a financial role before in which I was so aware that an economic calendar would be available where you would see FOMC meeting minutes, you would see different um, GDP results, yeah. and you knew how they would impact the commodities, the yeah. currencies. And there was such a knock-on effect that it was so refreshing to me to see an alternative, which was a decentralized correlation. And there is still a correlation. If as we've seen now, stocks, sure. there is crypto, there's global market uncertainty that has been reflected in the cryptocurrency space. Yep. But I know when I first got into banking, uh, I was in Switzerland and there was a, a day which is really iconic for everyone in the Swiss banking sector. It was the 15th of January, 2015. And this is when the Swiss National Bank had decided to depeg the Swiss franc to the euro. And it was something like 100 million was wiped off the Swiss um, national market in a single day and it was it was the highest on record and i remember thinking that was so unjust that companies were ha was having their wealth eradicated because of a move by a national bank and that was something that i found really morally unfair and wrong yes. so then that was why i found cryptocurrency so refreshing and a lot of people now will say as we mentioned kind of why would you own a property now and i think with gold there is still this um idea that there is a safe haven asset away from volatility but for me, I still see it as so heavily linked to the US dollar and price movement mm -hmm. that it never really hold that, that appeal to me um, in a way that it could be as incentivizing. So stable coins is yeah, yeah. probably as diverse as I will get. Um, and maybe my New Year's resolution is to look into uh, diversifying a little bit more and I'll, I'll pick Ken's brain over a coffee in Dubai and get him to educate me as he educated yeah. you. But, but until then, I never saw an interest and it was never something yeah. that I thought, yes, this is 100% something I'd feel comfortable doing. Maybe it was yeah. more an act of defiance than a smart <laughs> strategic investment move. 
It's interesting. I wonder if that's a banker thing. Cause I came from banker and I went almost all crypto. I was like, when I discovered crypto, I was introduced to it in my facility here. Somebody walked in and introduced it. And I was like, Whoa, this is a Cause I left the matrix. I was like, I'm out, I'm going to be free, but I'm locked into this bank account where, you know, and so when I went into crypto, I was 99% in crypto. And what I've, you know, Ken's taught me is diversifying into, I own companies and now I own multiple companies. And so now I'm diversifying into businesses, which are like hard assets to me. And the, you know, Ken explains it way better, but it's like a, hard asset of something I can hold on to. It's tangible. I can control the the growth of that, that as well. Now, uh, one thing I want to ask you as well. So what, like with the, with Rao Powell, what did he say? What, what was your interview about with him? I want to dive into that. He's a legend and I'm very, really cool. You got to interview him. So what did he, did he, did you guys talk about the markets and what he thinks? We did talk about the markets uh, and he was saying that he was buying Ethereum. That was the first question I asked was if he bought anything yet this year. He was, you know, buying Ethereum, continue to buy. He wasn't planning to sell anytime soon. He did give the price prediction of 100K per Bitcoin by the end of the year, which was optimistic. I actually saw a few days later, though, that in his interview, another interview, or he tweeted during a tweet conflict with someone that was a Bitcoin maxi, that he only holds one Bitcoin. And I'm so surprised that he did not mention that during the interview. I'm not sure if he was kind of playing with the guy or if that was factually correct. But that is something that I would love to quiz him on next time, because based on the conversation, the consensus was he was very Bitcoin bullish. Uh, So that was interesting. We also spoke about DAOs and we spoke about Mm. how DAOs could potentially disrupt governance systems, governments, uh, political movements, and even the kind of COVID vaccinated versus non-vaccinated debate. That was interesting. I think that got him out of his comfort zone a little bit, that conversation. Uh, But in general, he was very bullish on layer ones. And also, so like like Avalanche, Polygon, Cosmos, these solutions, uh, and the kind of Ethereums in, in the space as well. So that seems to be where he's looking, which is interesting. It makes sense. And can you explain to people what DAOs are so so people know? Yes, absolutely. So a DAO, it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Uh, And essentially what a DAO is, is a collective of people where no one has a clear consensus owner. So, for example, there was an organization called Shapeshift, which was a successful cryptocurrency exchange and platform, and it migrated to becoming a DAO in July. And what that essentially meant is there's no CEO, there's no board members and teams. Everyone has the exact same positioning to vote on the future movements of a company. We'll use the company Shapeshift as the example when explaining it, but DAOs can be for social media platforms, for charities. Essentially what it is now is every single person that has a token that is related to Shapeshift, that is a voting token, that's a governance token. So that means you can vote on key decisions that the company looks to make. So it eradicates this, I'm the CEO, we're doing this because I said so, it completely levels the playing field. And it means that anyone that is part of the establishment gets their say. And actually the opportunity that brings is really interesting when you look at it, take a step back and the potential movements that it could hold. I read this viral thread on on Reddit, which was saying that uh, Pfizer is, I think it's a $300 million market cap. And you guys can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong there, but it was saying that that's only kind of one uh, tenth of the total cryptocurrency market cap. So essentially people can collectively come together, uh, purchase Pfizer, and then they can stop the rollout of, of vaccines. And it, so it poses this, this question of, governments as DAOs where everyone has these voting rights it's decentralized 
anyone from anywhere over the world can join in and have their say. And because everything is recorded on the blockchain, there's no way that the information can be tampered. It's completely tamper-proof. It's something which I think will revolutionize in a few years how we operate. And it will be like the use of the internet. I firmly believe DAOs are the kind of protocols where once they're integrated in company structures, in yeah. voting uh, regionally where you live, you won't necessarily know you're using a DAO. You'll just know this is a more effective, efficient way to vote and make decisions. So effectively, you're going to become like a volunteer to the DAO. You don't work for the, or own the DAO. So whoever's participating in that DAO would essentially become a volunteer. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and so also what's interesting is we've seen um, VCs that have become DAOs. So VCs will have wow. a collective of funds. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bybit, their sister company is called Miri Miriam, and they have a DAO as well. This is the largest VC DAO. And what they'll do is everyone that holds these uh, BIT tokens will have them as voting calls. People will come forward with their ideas and you can choose whether or not the company will choose to invest in that, in that I company. Right. Very so cool. yeah, so there's a DAO, a, a VC DAO. So the yeah. venture capital company is actually a DAO. That's crazy. See, this is what I feel shaking the system. You know, if, since the 1900s when we were in the progressive area, so it's supposed to be the progressive area, but what it was, it was the indoctrination area, right, to get us into these systems. And now they see that. They see that people like us can create a DAO, right? We can have voting rights. We can create our own corporations where there's it's an ecosystem. And then if you think about it, we went we're going from hotels to Airbnbs, we're going from taxis to Ubers, we're going from corporations to small businesses like us coming together and working together. And I feel, in my personal opinion, that the elites, the one person, whatever it is, whoever they are, I just focus on me being the present CEO of my life, but there is a control mechanism with money, right? And I, I, I feel like in my spiritual world is that we're gonna go through this massive collapse to go into a period of peace and prosperity where everybody comes together. And that's what a DAO, represents for me is coming together as one to create something great, right? So it's not one person saying like, I'm the CEO of my companies, right? To say, but we run it like a DAO at our company. Everybody's involved. Our, our team members have actual uh, a profit sharing every single quarter. And it's like, hey, you guys are part of the ecosystem. I feel like that's where we're heading. I really feel like that's what cryptocurrency is going to bring, what decentralized finance is. That's why Jamie Dimon says banks should be scared shitless of fintech. And I feel like people are waking up to that without even knowing it, without even knowing it. I mean, everything they do is on their cell phones now, right? And so I feel like the feds right now are scared shitless. They're trying to figure this out. They're trying to figure out the system. They don't have the education, as you talked about, Jessica, because they kind of kicked the can down the road. They weren't paying attention. And at the behind the scenes, these DAOs type structures are being created. And now you have YouTubers like our YouTube channels, your YouTube channels, Ken shows are getting more views than Fox News. I mean, if you really think about that, it's 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 a really I, I'm so excited. Like, so that's why when the crypto market crashes or whatever, the, you know, it appears to be. I just stay calm because I, I feel like we're, we're part of something historical. And we were just talking about this in our facility this morning, our academy. This is going to be written in history books. I really believe you, Jessica, Ken, all of us are going to be written in history books as people who broke free from the system and brought in a whole new world. So like, like, what, like go yeah, ahead. You know, the thing is, is you know, we don't want to be controlled anymore. We want to be ungovernable, autonomous human beings. And like for me, you know, like you, Coach TV, I yep. want to be the CEO of my own life and be able to make my own decisions, make my own rules, be ungovernable. And, uh, you know, and that's uh, you know, we see a common trait within the blockchain industry. You know, we've got this whole freedom movement going on. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to be part of it, you know, be part of this incredible movement. 
And here in Dubai, it's uh, this is like next level, you know, this is next level mm -hmm. crypto stuff happening here, you know, NFTs, metaverse, you get the Expo 2020, like there's a mega movement going on here. In fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, Binance are looking to relocate their facility to wow. Dubai as well. And um, I, I think that uh, uh, CZ, I think you call him, he bought a, a house here in Dubai as well. So the big, big movements here in Dubai, like you can buy everything with crypto here in Dubai. Wow. You buy cars, houses, luxury goods. It's unbelievable. That's beautiful. Let's dive into the metaverse. You're going to be speaking about the metaverse at the so what? So the Expo 2020. So uh, Dustin, I got to visit Dubai. We we're just so grateful to come to your guys's place out there, and it was like I felt in. I felt so at home in Dubai. It was unbelievable, unbelievable how at home I felt. The things that I loved about Dubai: number one, it was super clean. Everybody was super nice. I mean, we you'd ask somebody on the streets here in America. You ask somebody on the streets for directions, they look at you cross-eyed. There, you ask someone for directions, they would kind of guide you. Everybody was smiling. It just seemed abundant to me. But the Expo 2020. So people are like, well, why does it say 2020? It's so to explain it, it's a massive expo, right? Of all different worlds coming together. If you can explain that, and then you're speaking about the metaverse. You want to. A bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So Expo 2020 was due to air, obviously pre-pandemic, but it was really showcasing every single nation and, and geographically coming together and showcasing what their nationality was extremely proud of. When I went into the Expo, and I'm not sure if Ken, you can kind of vouch this as well, I was extremely surprised because I had gone to numerous uh, events around the world and expos and expo floors, and I was expecting to be very literal representations, but it was really kind of outside the box and abstract visualizations of what you can expect. So for example, in Germany, there's a massive ball pit. Germany invests heavily in sustainability. So there is a lot of these kind of natural green energy, but it's very physical. There's mm. things you can like kind of play with and it's kind of like a, a giant, um, I don't know if you had like technique class when you were a kid, it was like this science museum that you would go to and you could like work out how things operated. It's essentially this for adults and the architecture is insane. So if anyone has been to Dubai, I definitely recommend them go and check mm. Expo out. But it also opens up the bigger conversation of trends when it comes to uh, textile industries, how things are looking with green energy when it comes to renewable energy and, and these really large movements that countries are taking upon themselves. And there is actually a blockchain expo area as well, which I have yet to go to. So if anyone has gone, let us know in the comments because I still haven't gone to check it out. But also, you're right in saying it's brought a lot of different people from different regions to Dubai to come and showcase and have a look and check it out and open up larger conversations. So there's going to be a Metaverse Expo in March. And I think what's really interesting with these kind of Metaverse conversations is it's tapping into the full potential of the Metaverse. Uh, so for a lot of people that are hearing about it for the first time, it's really hard to break down why people should get involved or why it stands to be such a freedom expression or why it's even so appealing. We're seeing plots of land in the Metaverse South are 2.4 million dollars worth of ethereum like it's insane but i think it stands for a complete neutral ground which has mm -hmm. never existed before uh even social media platforms they yes. are owned by these like multi-billion dollar conglomerates so this is a new opportunity and we're seeing music artists buy land in the mm -hmm. metaverse we're seeing youtubers perform in the metaverse um i was actually speaking to a guy called gabriel arbed who is the uh, ambassador for barbados from the UAE. So he actually is building a Barbados metaverse uh, government embassy. So government embassies are wow. now literally moving into the metaverse, uh, which is, wow. yeah. So 
the, the progression in which this is happening, we have in CoinMarketCap, all of our conferences are weekly on a Metaverse platform. And this has been happening since October. We're yeah, like, which we're platform are you guys uh, using? I actually don't know the name. I'll, I'll get it back to you. But, um, <laughs> but I've tested out a few as well. I've live streamed on Sandbox, for example, and tested out looking at the virtual real estate and how That's things sick. are looking there. Uh, so if anyone hasn't checked it out, I would definitely recommend them to do it uh, to do so. There was actually a viral video that went uh, very public on Twitter about Decentraland held this rave, and it was kind of anticlimactic how it looked. It didn't look as tech advanced as everyone was expecting, but it shows, especially with the world being locked down, people are checking these sites out and people are looking to migrate. I personally would never buy a Decentraland real estate, but I know people that have that have made significant profit because it's the hot topic right now while we're not seeing people use it people are investing in the metaverse so maybe adoption will come a little bit further down the line but the last two years was a great testament to why land that no one owns or controls is so important because covid restrictions was extremely isolating for a lot of people so would metaverse have been as successful if covid didn't happen would Crypto have gained as much as it did if, if COVID didn't happen. Probably not either of those things, but it's provided a fantastic foundation for these decentralized communities to really thrive. Yeah, I, I think I'll need to relocate Kenmark Enterprises into <laughs> Decentraland. You know what? Not a bad idea. Yeah. It would, it, you know what's interesting? It just Something just clicked. And as they got us to look this way at a pandemic, and I'm not saying whatever you believe is what you believe in the pandemic, okay? but I, you know, I think they got us to look this way and there's a whole nother narrative going on this way. Your economic system's shifting, everything's shifting. But what they did to get us to shift a certain way almost opened us up to, hey, we need to come together. And it's so interesting as you talk about the metaverse and companies coming together, people going decentralized, you know, uh, influencers, artists, right? Being able to take control, take control back of their art. You know, a, a music artist doesn't have to be controlled by the, the what's it called? The label, right? Everybody seems to be going decent. And it's like the banking system. That's why I love, I love the cryptocurrency because it's like, I, I, I went to CBA executive banking school. I learned we had to scale banks in a simulation. And back then, nine years ago, we were, we were switching to fintech, financial technology. We were starting to replace actual people with tellers. And so in the simulation, my CFO is actually, he just, he just broke free from the matrix. Uh, he was my tutor in banking school. He's actually here in the office. Now we broke him free. And when we we're building it in the simulation, it was like, man, if we started to replace tellers with talking ATMs and we started to reduce bank branches and we only put them in areas where the baby boomers are and in the college areas, we just do technology, fintech. And we weren't thinking cryptocurrency, but I, we're all going to this decentralized. This this is where everything's going to be. And it's like it's that's why it's such a great time right now. That's why I'm really I try to keep people above the clouds with all the red. It's like, man, there's so many great things happening. And what I'm worried about is people are going to go running from the hills from crypto and they're going to miss the greatest opportunity in human history. And that's why I hold long term. I'm like, so I just I hold long term. And if it, I only exit, if it goes up parabolic and I'm holding 50% of my portfolio long-term forever, that's just what I choose to do. And I haven't bended from that from the beginning. I don't choose to waver, but because I, I see how you see it, Jessica, that macro big picture earth historical changing environment. And then there's a lot of spiritual things happening too. Like some people call it in, in religion, they call it the rapture and spirituality. Me, we call it the great awakening. You know, you got, uh, you know, the planets shifting. I mean, that's cool because I don't, I, well, I've only been alive for 46 years, but but in history, 
I don't think we've ever seen in our human history this type of alignment with spirituality happening, with with uh, an economic system shifting, with our our health, right? People are starting to wake up to, wait a minute, I, I'm going to have to take this V. I'm going to have to take this V to work at a job. That's question the people that literally would never leave their job are saying, no, screw you. I'm leaving my job. Like, this is crazy. And they're starting to open up their mind to a whole new awareness of sovereignty, right? And what, however that represents for people. So this is great stuff, man. So it's just so beautiful, beautiful. And I completely agree with you as well. And I think that's why if you look at different regions, I, I lived in Latvia for a little bit and that was an extremely spiritual place. People were very in touch with nature. They were very um, aware. But for example, Australia, Australia isn't typically one of the most like holy spiritual grounds. And a lot of people will argue that's why it's had such strict lockdown elements because mm. actually the kind of the spirituality and the awareness of a lot of the people that are local there, wow. it's too much of a, a, a force to be reckoned with. Um, so it's an extremely interesting time. And I know, Ken, we're both from quite mm. similar areas in the UK. And I think in the UK, whenever I go back home, there's such a lack of understanding about financial independence. And people almost feel mm. defeated yeah. that they don't know where to start. They live paycheck mm. to paycheck. And they only they're get out of jail. Yeah, they're trapped. And they only get yeah. out of jail free card yeah. they think they own is to save for a mortgage and buy a mortgage and that for them is financial freedom and it's so sad that yeah. that is terrible parallels away from the reality and i think that's something which if i can help a few people realize that and have a eureka moment that you can own as you mentioned 50 percent of your wealth in crypto stake it live off get to a point where you can live off the stake in returns yes. you know you can, you can absolutely Exactly. And I think there's so many options right now that are viable, but people just don't know how to get there. Um, and it's you not know, like, scary. I, I'm, I'm literally living off staking rewards from online gaming tokens. It's funny, my lifestyle. You know, if somebody told me I was making money, I was going to be able to live, you know, a, a decent lifestyle off of an online game that I don't play without tokens. Like, I would never have believed them. It's like crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the people that come, you know, from our, our part of the world, I think they just need a little bit of guidance, some help, because with this prison mindset, they're stuck inside the indoctrination system that we were taught, you know. And, you know, one of the best investments that you can ever make is in traveling, you know, in yourself and traveling the world. And as you know, you've been traveling all over the place and, you know, it helps you grow, grow your mindset, uh, getting around other people in other environments. But uh, you know, a lot of people in the USA, they've never left their own state. They see going to another state as being international, but they're still within the same country. Um, so, you know, I think the best thing, you know, to for those who might be trapped in the, you know, the, the system is to maybe just get the backpack on and, you know, start uh, working location independently, get yourself out there and, uh, you know, into the right circles. But, you know, this, this is why I have you know, created my online community, why Coach GV has created the 3T Warrior Academy is to help people understand um, that, uh, you know, what the, the, the real meaning of freedom is, because the, the definition of freedom where we come from is different from what you and me believe freedom is we have a completely different contrasting view to uh you know to those that, who are heavily bought into the system which is you know the matrix you know some people call it a movie but i call it real life mm, it's a it's a documentary <laughs> it's truly a documentary it's yeah. a we're coming it up a whole different meaning if you watch it yeah now. god jessica we're gonna have to have you back on we got to continue this conversation this is absolutely amazing so jessica how can people what's the best way to get a hold of you uh your social media platforms your youtube channel what's the best way to get a hold of you 
Sure. So the YouTube channel that I'm most active on right now is Coin Market Cap. Uh, you can also go to the homepage CMC. Um, obviously, you'll see the red prices, but just above that, you'll see all the videos that we provide you guys, uh, which hopefully will give you a little bit of entertainment along the way. And we also do some really cool explainer videos as well. I have one show that I produce called Explain Like I'm Five, which takes crypto concepts and explains them in very simple terms. We've had people like Scott Stonetta, who co-founded, uh, was featured in the Satoshi White Paper, He's come on board and explained blockchain and we've animated the series. So that's a great get starter for people that are looking to understand. Uh, and then also my Twitter is Jessica FMW, Sophie McIver Walker, um, and people can find me on there as well. So yeah, any questions, I'm always so happy to, to help and answer them because it is a journey and it's a rite of passage, I think, to kind of open that rabbit hole into the cryptocurrency sphere. So you guys are doing a great job as well. And it's a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a lightning round. Ken Mack and motivate the people before we head out. We're, so we're, oh, just a reminder, too, if you're in the Red Pill Boot Camp, you got your email. We're jumping into Red Pill Boot Camp in 15 minutes. Ken Mack, motivate the people. Listen, guys, I grew up in a working class family with no money. I was once bankrupt, got myself around the wrong people. I even just declared myself homeless at one point. But I bounced back as I started to master the game of getting rich. One of my biggest observations of the wealthy was time. It's the, en it's the enemy of the rich, and money is the enemy of the poor. And one observation I made was that the rich work for assets and the poor work for liabilities. Now, rich people's assets are poor people's liabilities. Think about that for a moment, guys. Now, around 22 years of age, I learned how to buy my first business with zero cash. I was making more money than anybody I knew around me was. I was able to retire by the age of 27 to an exotic country. I took the red Ferrari off the bucket list at an early age. I had the boat, was living in an incredible beachside villa, you know, at uh, 27 years of age. But how? Because I mastered the rules of wealth. In the book, The Science of Getting Rich by the author Wallace D. Wattles, he quotes the words, the rich get rich because they do things in a certain way. And those words, they left a mark on me ever since I read them. And I highly recommend that you guys download the audiobook. I think it's about two and a half hours long, but this is one of the books that changed my life. And um, I spent all of my life as well studying the wealthy and doing what they do, not what they say. And that's the important keyword. That is the operative sentence, doing what they do and not what they say. Now, listen, in a time of financial crisis, your mentors and your network are your most important assets. You become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And what you guys need is a strategy, a plan, speed, action, and the right people around you to guide you. Rich people learn from other people's mistakes. Making mistakes, guys, takes time. And time, as you know, is the enemy of the rich. A poor person will look for ways to save money and do it themselves. But a rich person will look for ways to save time because time is the most scarce asset in history, apart from Bitcoin, and it's non-refundable. We are literally dying a minute at a time, guys. So life is too short to make mistakes, especially as the global financial collapse comes closer day by day. Now, I would say I've got some great news for you guys. It's been a long time coming, but it's now time that myself and my fellow Inner Circle veterans pass the secrets, knowledge, wisdom, and expertise to you guys that we've gained over the past 16 years and beyond down to you via a brand new wealth creation family, community, and academy. 
that we have created for you guys that's called no other than the Mac Club. Mac Club is where you guys will take the red pill, learn how to escape the matrix in real life and get wealthy. Some of the subjects that we're going to be teaching in Mac Club are crypto investing, DeFi, and for example, how to become your own bank, borrow money without the banks and credit checks, how to buy businesses with zero cash, just like I've been doing the past 16 years. In fact, I've got a student right now who just landed $1.6 million in annual profits each year from zero cash down business acquisitions. In fact, he takes over a new business this week, and we're going to get him on the show so that you guys can learn from him. I'm going to teach you real estate investing with no money down, is in buying real estate with no money down, and perhaps you want to become a public speaker or how to start an e-commerce or dropshipping business. So these are some of the hot subjects taught inside Mac Club. And the best bit about it is that we are a thousand times cheaper than a university degree and without student debt, and the risk is almost zero. It's a paid monthly program where the upside uh, is that you could come out a multimillionaire like our other students. So as a passionate entrepreneur who's not only survived a global financial meltdown, but thrived during it as well. So I now feel that it's my duty, obligation, and my responsibility to give back to you guys and uh, to give you Mac Club as the vehicle to take that vision forward. And what makes uh, me different from the other people out there is my knowledge, wisdom, and experience. It was gained, guys, during the last financial crisis of 2007. So just think about this. The sheep are going to queue up to get the latest iPhone, but the, the sheep... You know, they don't queue up to invest in themselves. So what you need to get, what you guys need to do is to start thinking like the 1% and doing the opposite of the 99% because that, my friends, is why 99% of people are poor. So if you guys are ready to exit the matrix and take your business life and most importantly, freedom to the next level, then I invite you all to head over to www.mac.club and check it out for yourself. And if you like what you see, there's no obligation. It can be cancelled at any time. We were running a promotion as well, and the promotion, um, the, the promotion um, was for the first hundred people that we bring in. You will you're going to be getting a significant discount uh, for joining. So if you guys want to um, check it out, if the discount is still there, I highly recommend that you join me on the Mac Club, and I'll see you guys on the inside. So I'm going to kick it back over to you, Coach GV, yes. and uh, if you want to uh, leave these guys with a few words of wisdom. Yes. Well, I want to give Jessica the floor to leave us some words of wisdom before you kick it back over to me and then we'll close this out. We got to have you back, Jessica, because we just we just hit the tip of the iceberg, I could tell. So the floor is yours. I would love that, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. And I think this message is to anyone that got into crypto at some point in 2021 or even 2022. I would just say this is a scary time. I think everyone is acknowledging that. But the industry is growing so rapidly at a rate that we have never seen before. Communities are amazing as well. So make sure to network and expand your contact and connect base. As Ken beautifully put it, you're kind of the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose to invest in yourself right now invest in educating yourself on resources putting yourself out there and learning as much as you can uh, and also opening yourself to this new world it's such an accepting space uh, travel as well as much as you can despite the kind of restrictions that we are seeing uh, and just enjoy the journey because this is going to be one of the most rewarding things that we've seen in our lifetime I firmly believe that in 10 15 years time people will be amazed at these advocates of crypto uh, before this year so 
make sure just to enjoy the journey. If you have not yet educated yourself, make sure to yes. jump in. You're never too late. That's the most important thing. I've spoke to people that have FOMO'd from 2017 onwards. And the biggest regret is uh, choosing to exit because you think it's over or also watching from the sidelines and waiting with anticipation. So so don't wait anymore. This is the excellent time. Uh, I wish I could get in at this time, to be completely honest, than, than earlier on in the, in the industry. So enjoy it and, and make sure to utilize the, the free resources and also the, the valuable ones that are out there. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. Ken, Mac, Jessica, it's been an honor. Warriors, remember, this is the greatest time in human history. All circumstances are neutral, but your emotions are not. All circumstances are neutral, but your emotions are not, Warriors. So remember, you got to get that heart-brain coherence. When the heart and mind are in alignment, you are unstoppable. And that's what we're working to do here, Warriors, is to give you good information to make informed decisions. As I always say, don't trust a word we say, but in turn, trust the feeling and vibration it creates in your body and act accordingly. Let me say that again. Don't trust a word we say, but trust the feeling and vibration it creates in your body and act accordingly. That's how you should operate from that heart-brain coherence. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we always say, Warriors, ah, let's get your shit together. Let's go.